Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. Hi everyone, it's uh, Roxanne Durhaj. How are you today? So today um, we have a special guest, Phyllis Reed, um, who is going to come in and talk a little bit about creating change in today's um, environment with uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And this obviously is a podcast that is coming in a, in a timely way as uh, we've recently had the issues around um, that's occurring in, in, uh, in Buffalo. So I'm going to welcome on Phyllis. Hi, Phyllis. How are you today? Okay, I'm good. I have a mask police that's coming around and she's already given me some flack here. So, okay, so let's do this. All right. So Phyllis, uh, thanks so much for coming in today. Um, so Phyllis um, has been on on my pre-recorded uh, podcast, but a couple of weeks ago we we'll be connected again, and she was so gracious in deciding to come on. So her expertise is um, how do we create change? Uh, the topic we're going to talk about today in in the arena of diversity and inclusion. So I'd like you to really kind of. Um, I know this is a tough time, like I've said, it's not that it's not been a tough time, but uh, where we are located here, uh, Phyllis, for your information, we're, I'm located about 15 minutes from Buffalo. Okay. So um, I think it struck all of us, but I think regionally it's also struck us even more here being that much closer to home. So uh, our chat is, is gonna be timely and I think um, might offer some perspective for many people that are looking um, for some guidance around um, how to proceed at, at this time. So Phyllis, um, tell us a little bit about you for others that have not listened to you before and we'll jump right in. Um, so for some of the things that you're dealing with, um, not since Buffalo, because we know this is an issue that's happening often, um, but sometimes in our backyard, it kind of makes us listen. So a welcome to the show. Great, thank you so much for having me and uh, it's an honor. And uh, as you said, there's just been so many things that's been happening uh, globally. This one's so much closer. Uh, the closer they are, the, the more they tend to kind of hit home a bit harder. So Phyllis Ree Jarvis and um, founder of Ultimate Potentials. And we're a business consultancy that actually works with other organizations, particularly the, the leaders to um, build workplaces where people thrive and we do so through leadership as well as using leadership as the foundation on which to build more diverse, equitable and inclusive organizations. And um, yeah, so that is sort of in a nutshell, what we do as a business consultancy. And we've been doing this for the last eight years and it's just become more pronounced since 2020 that it's almost as if we've received global permission to talk about diversity and equity and inclusion, but we've been doing it for a long time. 
So, yeah. So you've been doing this work for a very long time and um, let's talk about the reality of what is. And I often, you know, we've shared before that I'm from Trinidad um, coming into North America with a, I'm going to see a bit of a different frame, even though there was the colonial kind of, I'm going to use the wood umbrella. Um, I found there was a difference um, that was heightened when I came to North America and I was 16 years old to go to university. Um, and, you know, when I came here, it was the first time, not, not that I knew I wasn't different, Phyllis, to put in context, but it seemed like it was highlighted when I came to North America. Whereas in Trinidad, you know, my prime minister's Indian, my, you know, my dentist is, is African, a Caribbean descent, you know, my, um, you know, friend's parents are Chinese or white or whatever. So I was always around a rainbow, which as a child, I just that was normative for me. And then I came uh, to go to school in Mississauga and then I was like, I'm different. And I'm like, oh, that was not that I hadn't thought about that before, but the context had changed for me. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just wondering, you know, help me understand that, that, that space within North America or even within Europe, maybe compared to mm -hmm. potentially what I may have been exposed, supposed to in the Caribbean. Yeah, that's a really great point that you've raised. And, I should preface what I'm about to say that I actually came to learn I am black in North America, because like you, born and raised in Jamaica, my prime minister is a black person, my neighbors are black, and I see people of you know Indian descent and so on around me. So I grew up in a rainbow society and colonialism is just what it is. So what you experienced, what I experienced, I recall, a time in, in university where I was getting ready to apply for my internship. And we are, you know, we, we need references and such. And I was a very good student. Um, I thought I would ask this particular professor if she would consider standing as a referee for me. And I might've shared this story before, so forgive me, but it's, it's a story I believe that is very relevant to the topic at at hand. And I, you know, she's a hard marker. We, that's how we kind of dubbed her, but I didn't know she was also someone who had deep rooted, I guess, beliefs or ideas about who should be let in and who should not be let in to higher learning and opportunities and such. And so I had booked an appointment with her. She and I were in her office and I asked if she would consider standing as a referee. I'm getting ready to apply for this internship position. And she said to me, sure, I don't think you'd like what I have to say. So I was surprised. I said, oh, what do you mean? Very innocently. And I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm too young. You know, I thought I was too young to be considering going into that program. And she did this. Mm. Right? And it took me a few seconds because like you, Roxanne, I not raised in a culture where I know I'm a person of African descent and I have dark skin tone, black skin tone, if you want to call it, but we are not raised with the political, um, I guess, nuances and explicit, I guess, challenges of being black because black is a political statement. Mm -hmm. It's not 
someone's ancestry, it's not some heritage, it's a political statement. And, and I was taken aback, naturally. So, yeah, coming to that particular situation, and then It seems like uh, we've lost Phyllis there for a little bit. Um, and I, here we go, here she's, she's back again. And this is, the, this is what happens on live streams. We just lost you for a second there, Phyllis. Yes, I saw that. But nonetheless, we, those were dominantly located, typically white um, folks in this world, white people. There are still a few, there's some of them who are reluctant to recognize that people who are African descent, Asian descent, indigenous peoples, persons with disabilities, persons who belong to LGBTQ, 2S plus um, societies, communities, groups, that we also belong. And it's not all who don't, but there's a good enough majority. And so that professor of mine was an example of someone who was blocking the advancement of a student like myself, but I'm sure that it wasn't, I wasn't the first one that that happened. And mm -hmm. so the shooting Buffalo is just another example of the far reaches of colonization and how it distorts people's thinking. And stories are told to all of us, those who are dominantly located, those who are marginalized, and racialized stories are told and the stories are told and maintained because they're what's needed to keep the system of colonialism going i'm happy to say though that there's so many more people indigenous peoples working together to tell new stories different stories to build new bridges and maintain those bridges that are based on diversity, equity, inclusion, recognizing and seeing the value that each of us really has to bring to this world. Because the world is the way it is because we are all in it. So. And I, I think, you know, I know there has been a lot of strides, but clearly like when I, when I read about a bit about the background of uh, the young man from Buffalo, um, it was a polit the political underpinnings in the U.S. around this uh, neo-fascism that he talked, you know, that the belief that in the concept of replacement theory, which I, I had not known much about, that it was imbued in, mm -hmm. um, that he this young man had driven, I guess, hours. He's, he's not from Buffalo um, to locate an area, um, mm -hmm. which is, it's just very hard to understand because you, you're, you're disheartened to believe. And I've been, 
like I said, I'm 15 minutes from the bridge, right? I go to, I go to tops. I've been to that tops. So it, it hit home. It's hits home that that could happen. But the fact that the, the indoctrination of this young man is the scary part that when I read the concept mm -hmm. of, you know, um, you know, the replacement theory about getting rid of certain ethnic groups in order for um, the neo-Nazi kind or fascism concept to exist. So those are the those are the big underpinnings that I would think that your work is is trying to get at in, in having people understand the frame. Uh, but what I can say is, and I, I think about since this has happened yet again, um, that a lot of people mm -hmm. are they're scared to talk about the reality of what's happening. So I, that's what I want to talk to you about because. You know my world um you know my friends and, and a lot of people that i love dearly are canadians and white but there's always that tenuousness when something like this happens because people feel afraid to have conversations with someone that is um diverse for fear that they're going to say the wrong thing mm -hmm. so my question becomes based in the state you know not that this isn't happening all the time how can people deal with first of all there's a lot of anger out there that this has actually happened in 2022 yet again but how do i start to broach the subject without people feeling um scared to say the wrong thing to someone uh that mm -hmm. is diverse mm -hmm. great question so the work that we do in the area of diversity equity and inclusion we actually create tools that are very specific for how to talk about messy stuff. So we call these things messy stuff. They're messy and uncomfortable stuff. Um, we These tools, we show folks how to use the tools. So for example, we have a series of cards and they're actually built on, uh, one of our tools is ADCA. That's the acronym, A-A-D-C-A. -A -A. The first A is assumption. So there it's ADCA questions checking our assumptions. So when we are working with groups, and just last week I was in Montreal, we did several days worth of training on how to use these tools to talk about these very messy things. The organization that we were working, are working with actually, they, they invited us, sorry, but I'm in a space that's not mine. They invited us to help them become more anti-oppressive and anti-racist and so these are just some of the strategies that were one of the many strategies so to your question how do we broach these topics how do we talk about these messy stuff first and foremost we need collectively to recognize that there is a problem if we don't see that there's a problem white asian africans indigenous peoples, LGBTQ, 2S+, every single one who is either dominantly located or marginalized and racialized. We must agree that there's a problem. When we recognize that there's a problem, we need to now say, well, how do we address this? So the tool of ADCA helps people to check their assumptions. I would say, so what are some assumptions you have about marginalized, racialized people? So typically there are about four different, five different groups of people who are on the other side, and then you have the other sides that's typically dominantly located. So white skin 
people are on one side and then everyone else is on the other side. So check your assumptions. So as a white person, what assumptions do you hold about any of these groups? Where did that assumption come from? How did you come to see folks in those other groups and so on that way? So when we can actually learn to be honest with ourselves first, then it takes us to the next step, which is creating awareness. Oh my goodness, I don't even know anyone who is member, you know, who is say sexually diverse, or I don't know any indigenous person who I can say I've worked with them closely and, and I've gotten to kind of know them, or they might say, sure, I know folks, but um, it's a very superficial knowing because there's an indigenous person who works beside me at work, or there is someone who has openly say, I'm a trans person or, right? But that's not knowing people. And so we create awareness by checking the baseline assumptions that we have and looking at ways in which we now might be perpetuating the very system that we are so uncomfortable about. From awareness, we need to move into discovering solutions. And we've seen some ways in which uh, solutions are put forward. One of which is looking at or your organization. We do an organizational analysis. We look at the, the language, even your, when you're looking at hiring practices, we look at what, how, how is your job description written? Is it written through an anti-oppression, anti-racism lens? Is it written using some of the tenets and principles of intersectionality? So you look at someone like me, um, people see a black woman, but they, that's the color of my skin. And they don't know my history. They don't know my heritage. They don't know the richness of the community that I have behind me, nor do they know how I contribute to my community in ways that actually save people's lives, keep families together, and so on. But they just see the color of my skin. So if we're looking at discovering solutions, when we hire, for example, we need to take intersectionality into consideration, recognizing that each person has their own unique way of experiencing oppression, um, their own unique way of experiencing discrimination. Those are realities. So a white person will have their own unique way of experiencing the challenges of finding a job, depending on where they're located, socioeconomically, and so on. And yet that experience will be very different from another person who might be a person of African descent, might be an indigenous person. So we use the tool ADCA to start working within ourselves first. And as I said, it's assumptions, awareness, discovering solution, creating change. So we look at our organization. Does the organization reflect the very community within which we're working, the very client that we're serving, who are the, the uh, persons that are using our products, using our services, and does, say, our senior leadership, does it reflect those, uh, that particular aspect? So creating change, and then the final A in ADCA is action. 
what are the actions that we can take now to truly be experienced as being anti-oppressive, anti-racist, i.e. looking at our diversity makeup, whether there's issues of equity, how do we address those, issues of inclusion, how do we address those? So those, that's one tool, Roxanne, that I would say we start by, we start using to help us have those conversations, those messy, we call them messy conversations. Actually, that's what the tool is called. Add yeah, it, it would be it would be messy, especially right now. Let's take it, let's take it. I mean, corporate, I know when people come in, they recognize, I'm gonna say companies are recognizing even more um, kind of the, you know, the disparity in um, the different levels of their organization, you know, with parity with um, even females in leadership and then, you know, BIPOC female leaders even more so. There's, there's so much need. Let's go back to say the average person and they're, they're, they're listening and they're, they're, they're going, first of all, I'm going to say one conversation. Maybe you can chat about this before we get into this is explain to people the difference between discrimination and racism, because I'm, I feel, and I could be wrong, but that a lot of people don't understand the difference The big, the average person having this conversation may not understand the delineation or the difference between discrimination mm -hmm. and racism. So can you share that? Because I want people to understand it when they listen to some of the things that we're talking about. It tells us that is a socially constructed idea. So it categorizes people in races to justify the process of exploitation of people. So racism itself is a tool that is used to justify taking people's land, taking their resources, preventing other people from experiencing lives that are you know, honorable and full of integrity. And so the whole concept of race and racism is made up. It is, is nothing based on biology or any of the more modern science that speaks to how we are as individuals. But race and racism were created as social constructs to justify the exploitation of people. Discrimination is an act. So once we have been socialized to see each other as others, you're a black person, you're this person, you're that person, we will take actions that are negative. So discrimination now is an act, it's an action that's been taken against someone often because of the socialization that's been imbued in the majority of us, the whole world, that we are different races. So that's the big, discrimination is an action. I won't um, invite say one to our barbecue, why? Well, you know, I'm just not comfortable around people that are different from me. So it's an action, you're discriminating against them. So recognizing that indeed, as you said, the two are different and yet the two are interconnected. So that's the power of looking at things through the lens of intersectionality is when we put the social categorizations, i.e. race is a social category, 
and then gender is another category your country or your nation is right because the world has been divided up and so europeans africans asians that's not how the world was originally so this was created artificially so that the process of exploitation which is it's still ongoing could be justified and then discrimination or action yeah. actions so what i will hear and i will say it openly and maybe i can say it because i'm i'm brown and i've experienced people will say to me and i want you to and this is a controversial uh statement i'm going to make that people mm -hmm. my white friends will say to me roxanne brown people black people asian people are discriminatory towards me oh yeah like reverse racism right so there's reverse racism let's talk a little i know this is a hot like they'd say hot like pepper in trinidad topic <laughs> but it's something that i think we need to address because my friends will often say to me you know what roxanne you grew up privileged you're a foreign student you came with privilege right you you cut through so many things right and the, the places you you sit in i said absolutely i had economic privilege right and came to north america i get that but what i want to talk about is that concept of reverse racism because i think that's something that that gets again the messy conversations that people are having yes in their backyards aren't they at their fires or in the live uh, across their living room tables no buffalo is just another blip because it mm -hmm. happened it keeps happening like i saw something today on um on instagram where i guess lenny kravitz it was just a visual where he was placing um pieces of paper with every time somebody had been killed because of race I, and I don't in the timeline, I just looked at the visual and I reshared it because it was so powerful. So it's not just about Buffalo, it's the fact that it keeps happening. But let's talk a little bit about, because I think this is something that the average Canadian or American is discussing across their kitchen table, at their oh, fires, yes. at their cottages, yeah. even more so because Buffalo mm -hmm. just happened. So let's talk about that. Absolutely. And, and these discussions have been going on forever. So the whole concept first and foremost of reverse racism is a null and void concept and racism reverse racism is it's, it's it's a mute point because remember how race and racism came about it was race is created and created by those who were dominantly located therefore reverse racism cannot happen because those who were categorized in particular races are not people who are dominantly located. So if you're, the color of your skin is not considered to be white, it doesn't matter what you do or say to a white person. You as a whole, a person of African descent, indigenous peoples, Asian people, and so on, are not the ones who are dominantly located in Western societies. Therefore, we don't get to make the rules as to who gets hired or who is promoted and so on and so forth. So from that more, I would say, baseline perspective, the concept of reverse racism is it's a mute point. It's like saying, um, 
what's the best analogy? Because the fish in water thing comes to my mind. You know, a fish doesn't even know that it's in water until, right? It just doesn't know because that's just the norm. So when you're dominantly located in society, you get to make the rules. You call the rules. You, you, whatever happens in society comes from those who are dominantly located. What people are reacting to, Roxanne, and again, it's another aspect of a messy conversation that needs to be addressed, is the fact that folks who are marginalized and racialized are asking to be at the table, the proverbial table, are asking to have a piece of the proverbial pie. They're not asking to have the whole boardroom. They're not asking to have the whole pie. What they're asking is that we are citizens who live, work, and play in these societies. We contribute to the building of these societies. Our ancestors built these societies. Therefore, we too need and ought to and must have the, some of the same privileges as those who are dominantly located. And this is what makes it messy. So I have white folks, most of our training is with organizations where they're predominantly white and we'll inevitably hear from several of the participants well why do i have to give up what i have what about my children and no one's asking you to give up anything what we're asking is to level the playing field right so recently just yesterday i did a second interview with one of our prominent universities here in this country to do this work with them. And they've made me, really our company, me, because I represent, jump through all these hoops. And I know if the color of my skin was white, it would, it would have ended at the very first interview. And, um, and so when I look at situations like that, and I shared it with uh, a white client slash colleague of mine, who said, oh, I could throw up because you know what? That is wrong, what they're doing. I know that if the color of your skin was white, you would not have to be jumping through those many hoops to prove that you qualify to do that work with them. So all we're asking for where this whole concept of reverse racism comes up, messy topic, is that we don't want anyone to give up anything. Just level the playing field, level it. So I know when I submit my resume, now my name is a Western name, so I, I don't get thrown in the trash based on my name because it's a, a colonial name. But let's say my name was a traditional African name. I wanna know that that resume of mine still gets put forward for consideration at the selection committee. I want to know that some of my lived experiences count towards the job for which I'm applying. I want to know that there are measures in place to support my growth and my success in the organization because my ancestors did not create that organization did not create the culture it's not my culture but yet due to circumstances that occurred hundreds of years ago here i am and here i am now wanting to work 
more than willing to work, how do you make it easier for me to navigate my way through the system that was not created by my ancestors, but yet imposed upon me, my children, my children's children, and so on and so forth. If the playing field is indeed leveled, then we'll all have an equal, truly equal opportunity to apply for positions, to receive the positions, but the positions cannot go to just the best candidate. That term alone is a messy topic because the best candidate often results in someone who is white, someone who I can go have a beer with, someone that I can hang out with at the cottage, someone I can go play golf with. And we know this, I'm not making these things up. The data is very clear. It speaks to how even Asian peoples, they've changed their names to make their names Western sounding. They've put hobbies on their resume. Let's say they play golf, they curl. They don't even know what curling is. I've um, been told by some of the folks that they put it on, that they do curl. They, they're curlers, all for the purpose of securing a job. So reverse discrimination is, is a mute point. It's, it's, it's a point that's being used to fire up people, to create discord, to create animosity towards marginalized, racialized people who all they're asking for, all we're asking for is an opportunity to have a seat at the table, to know that our chair is, and the table is adjusted in such a way that we can see at the same level, same height as others, that our voices are heard and taken into consideration as well. So. Thank, thanks, thanks for clarifying that because I think the, I'm not sure that the average person that has not been through any kind of particular training um, would, would be aware of, the, of that difference. Now let's talk about um, the average person. Because I think, you know, if you're in a corporation and you're privileged enough to go through specific training to understand these concepts, and to go into your beliefs, assumptions, to look at structure and parity, all those things, you're going to be discussing it. And even if you've never heard it before, you're going to get into it. But let's mm -hmm. talk about the average person that that is is experiencing this, and they want to understand. And I, I you know, you know, I want to understand. My, I, I'm I'm upset and and angry and sad and mad and all. You know, the, the fact that we can have these conversations with my my friends and family are very, very important, mm -hmm. but it gets really messy when there's no mediator there, right? There we go. <laughs> so yeah. how do we have these average conversations on our decks, at our fires, at our cottages? Like, you know, how do we do that yeah. without it blowing up into something? Because everybody's so hurt and fragile when it comes to this issue every time something blows up. So give us some guidance. And you're absolutely right. I just want to acknowledge that the emotions are very high and the hurt and, and confused and so on. And I really think that that's what's at the core of it. We're, we're animals, we're, we're creatures who are designed forever to protect ourselves. So again, in our training, uh, there's another tool that we introduce folks to, and it's a fun tool actually, but a powerful tool is the tool of improv, improvisation, where we, again, the average person, 
you might not get the formal training, but if you're listening to this podcast, I invite you to really consider using these tools. So the ad for questions are powerful, checking assumption, creating awareness and so on. But the particular tool, and for, as I said, I'm in a public space, I'm at a university, so students are going back and forth. Um, the tool of improv helps us manage the unexpected blow-ups that might happen. So these are unexpected, messy stuff that gets thrown at us. And so one simple statement that we invite people to use is when you hear someone say something that is potentially inflammatory, your heart rate is going up, you can feel that emotions are now getting high, is to acknowledge it by saying, yes, and yes means I heard you and gives you the opportunity to put your point or your perspective, your views, your thoughts, and so on to the other. So we show people that by saying whatever the messy topic is, the messy stuff that gets thrown at you, and literally this is the title of our workshop, how to talk about messy stuff. When yes. the messy stuff gets thrown at you, you're going to, you're hearing all that noise. <laughs> That's okay. It's, it's, it's live, Phyllis. I've got it's to live. It. <laughs> oh, yeah. So when the messy stuff gets thrown at you, we remind them that it's an offer. It's an offer, Roxanne, if you disagree with what I might have just said, and then you come back with a counter argument. Train your minds to see it as an offer. It's an offer to keep the conversation going by recognizing that here's a view that the person is giving me. So yes, I hear what you're saying, Roxanne, that reverse discrimination is real or uh, race replacement theory, whatever the topic is. And I'd like to ask, now you're going to give them back an offer. Would you be open for us to maybe look at it a little differently? So let's look at it from this angle. Mm -hmm. How can we reverse racism when we, those, oh boy, gone, gone, gone. Let's see. I'm still here. Are you still here? Because yes, I'm, 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 I'm still hearing you are. I'm still hearing you. Still seeing you. Yes. This is so live. I don't think you've ever had any of this live. <laughs> I've done it for eight for for two months now. So it's the variation of live. We just kind of get accustomed to it, uh, Phyllis. Yes. Um, yeah. And so we put back an offer to the person. So see the messy topics as offers for us to keep the conversation going, respond to what people are saying with yes. And we typically will say, I hear you. I can see how you can uh, understand it that way. And this is how I see it. You state it. What do you think about that? So you give them back an offer. The person then will say, yes, I, I see where you're going with that, Phyllis. And, and you give them back. Why do we use yes and? Yes is positive. And is a conjunction that joins sentences together. 
So we use and to join people together. And when someone now goes ballistic and they get super angry, so that's a major block because that's one of the basic foundations of improvisation. We see that as a block, but you look still at that block as an offer. It is still an offer. So Roxanne, if you're very upset, you're super angry, you start hurling expletives at me, etc. not that you would do that. I now recognize I need to end the engagement. So I'm saying, you know what, Roxanne, I, I, I hear and see where we're going with this. And would it be okay for maybe we just pick this up at another time? So another knowing, yeah, to know when to kind of end it if it's it's really becoming destructive versus constructive. And I, I like that. I like I like the fact that you're hearing the person's perspective because really, if you if you're wanting to engage and move along with some of people's assumptions, it's really about listening so you can understand to be able to 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 give them that space to give them look at it in an, as an offering versus someone that's just maybe not willing to to kind of take that step with you i think that's amazing um what a, an amazing space to for anybody listening to apply um and if whether um it's the person that is you know asian or um you know european or whatever to recognize that we all have feelings that we need to get to and sometimes they bubble up on us right like i mean once the brain and the body takes over we 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 don't we go to that reactive stance of like you said protection which is as human beings we we protect protect and protect not because we don't want to learn but maybe we get a little bit scared and then we go to we kind of run for the hills yeah yeah we are scared because yeah. when we experience anger and so on, it's because we're afraid. And that fear now comes from a place of multiple areas. And there's so many intersections that could create that fear. And so what we need to do in that moment is protect ourselves. It's subliminal, like it's just deep, deep within us to protect ourselves. So hopefully the leaders, um, the, the listeners, can see some value in using these tools. The first is knowing how to ask those five different kinds of questions. And if you don't remember all five, just remember the first two. Check your assumptions and create awareness in yourself and then in others. Never ever go and do it in others first. Do it in yourself first. What are my assumptions? What do I need to be aware of? Or what do I think I know? And how do I know that knowing? And then the other tool is look at any sort of conversation that you're in as an improvisation, a play, it's an improv. Things are going to come up unexpectedly. And if you can remember just these basic rules, accept the offer. So there's an offer. I'm giving you an offer right now. You're giving me an offer and you and I are doing the pop dance, right? Mm -hmm. So everything that comes to us is an offer. Accept it with a yes and. Try to say yes, pause, and, rather than yes and. Notice the difference? Yeah. Yes, pause. I heard you. I acknowledge you. I am honoring what I'm hearing coming from you, etc., etc. And means I'm adding to the pool of information, to the conversation, 
right, to the building of bridges or the maintaining, or the maintenance rather, of bridges, okay? And then when the blocks come up, which they will, because these are messy topics, know that these blocks are also offers. They're high-level offers. Yes and yes, I'm here where you come from. Yes, I could see how that would impact you that way. Oh, yes, I could see why you would feel that way. And I wonder, because I'm just thinking that this view of mine now is just a little bit different, but nonetheless, this is how I see it. And da, 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 what do you think? Keep the conversation going, maintain the bridge. What a, what, a, what, a, what a nice way, Phyllis. What a, what a very nice way um, in a hot uh, kind of hotbed of where people are at. And so I think acknowledging, um, pausing, which is such a powerful thing. So it means also regulating what you're experiencing because you have to slow yourself down if you're getting upset. So that mm -hmm. pause, also, I also say it also allows you a bit of recalibration to say and yeah, versus yeah i hear you however and i go on it just moves people along too fast like you're not really stopping to really accept that gift like you said that offering to be able to go on phyllis this has been amazing mm -hmm. yet again i think we um really parsed out some things that uh i know i have ex you know talked about but i think for the average person that's listening for leaders that are um you know needing to explore this further just to some of the basic things that we've talked about for um, your environments by all means i'm going to give uh, phyllis the opportunity to be able to share uh, where she could be reached and um, if you're wanting to further this conversation uh, with some of the things that we're talking about systemically um, you know please connect with phyllis but phyllis let everybody know any last words before we let you go and then where they can get a hold of you uh, yes, and thank you for this opportunity, absolutely. And um, I would say final word is that we, we who is it now? We're, we're truly, we're in this. So there's a statement that says, what matters is the process versus the final outcome. Because it's the process that determines the quality of the outcome. So again, use these tools, take your time, be patient with yourselves in practicing and using them. And as you said there, Roxanne, just pause. Sometimes if you don't know what to say, just pause. But please do not use silence as a way to avoid talking about these messy topics. It is not an effective way. And yet, silence by pausing as you said, regulates, it helps you become a bit more mindful and aware of the emotions at hand. So people can reach me by either going to our website, ultimatepotentials.com, or they can absolutely link with me on LinkedIn, Phyllis Reed Jarvis, I am on LinkedIn. And of course, they can reach me through uh, email, living at ultimatepotentials.com. Thank you again. So for everybody listening, what am I what am I taking away? Well, you know, and I I talk about relationships and I want you to reflect on the key to awareness is getting connected to yourself. And the more self-aware uh, that you are about your space, it impacts your space, 
it impacts others around you and it, it really spans out to our society at large so i really you know call to you to think how am i being connected to myself and what is it what are my blocks potentially in this arena and what is it that i can do to teach myself something a bit different and maybe go out and engage with that one small action nothing huge but just try something small maybe asking a question in a different way potentially using the pause um, or being aware that i don't know a lot about this particular subset of people what is it that i i, I should learn about them so i encourage you to take mm -hmm. that small step uh this week and for anyone wanting to know how um, they can learn a little bit more about their ability to be authentic in relationships you can go to roxanderhodge.com there's a small quiz and we tell you where you kind of bench um, in relationships either at work or at home and then we'll send you off that um, quiz results so you can know with some next steps so again phyllis so so um, honored to have had you here today thank you so much for your time go out there and keep doing this amazing work we all uh, need um these vital learnings so we can pursue proceed and be part of the process of change thanks again all right everyone check in next my week pleasure. and uh we'll see you next week as we get into another uh juicy topic take care thanks for tuning in to authentic living with roxanne creating the space for positive healthy change Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.